First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, and you turn with me to Psalm 23. As Aaron said earlier, next week we will be back in our uh, Four Reasons series with our special guest speaker from the Institute for Creation Research, but this is going to be a special Sunday as well as we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving. Uh, just a moment ago, you heard uh, the words of Psalm 23 sung, and our time in the Word today is going to be in this beautiful psalm as well. Now, the message today is going to be a little bit uh, different. I'm going to ask you to, to keep your Bibles open throughout uh, the service Today, uh, we're going to be talking about a few of the verses, and then uh, we'll take a break and, and do some other things. We'll come back and look at some more. We'll take a break and uh, come to the Lord's table together, and then we'll come back to the text uh, once more. And so uh, the idea really is that just that the words of this psalm would just be woven throughout uh, this entire service today. Uh, you know, other than possibly the Lord's prayer, the odds are that more of us can recite Uh, Psalm 23 from memory uh, than any other passage in the Bible. Uh, These words are are so special to uh, every believer. Some of us were taught these words uh, from our earliest days, even sitting on our our mother's lap. Uh, Maybe some of you came to know Christ later in life and you didn't read these words for the first time until you were an adult. But even so, no doubt, uh, they made an immediate impression upon you the first time that uh, you read them. I remember growing up, uh, we would almost uh, always take our family vacations to uh, my grandparents' farm in uh, rural Georgia. And my grandmother, who is a strong believer, is now uh, with the Lord, uh, loved this psalm uh, so much. It was her favorite passage in the Bible. And, And she had the words of this psalm posted in almost every room of that farmhouse. Uh, in one room, it, it uh, might have been uh, hanging there uh, on a bookmark. In another room, it might have been the words were embossed onto a plate. Uh, in another room, it might have been a cross-stitching. But in virtually every room of the house, uh, the words of this text, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, were placed there. And so when I had the privilege to, to preach at her funeral, there was no other text that I could choose uh, than this one, uh, Psalm 23. You know, I was thinking about it this week, though, and uh, I have actually never preached on this passage uh, since I have been uh, your pastor, but I have preached on this passage once before uh, in our church, and it was actually my first sermon ever. Uh, I was about eight years old, and uh, in our Sunday school class that day, uh, they decided that we were going to have like a little worship service in the classroom, and I remember that. They asked one uh, student to lead the music, and Asked someone else to take up an offering and someone else to pray, and, and then uh, for somehow I, I drew the stick to, to preach. And, um, and I remember they gave us like one week to prepare, and so the previous week in class I was reading the passage. I remember jotting down some, some handwritten notes, and, and then the next week I preached the sermon. I think it lasted a whole three and a half minutes. And uh, now some of you wish that was still the length of my sermons. I understand that, but uh, I've gotten a little more uh, long-winded. But, but I can tell you this, from the time uh, that I was a boy until uh, now and having boys of my own, my love for this psalm has only increased. And I'm sure that's true for every believer in this room. Reading through this psalm is, is like looking through an old photo album. It reminds us of how good the Lord has been to each of us all the days of our lives. So let's read these words, these familiar words together. The Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you for the beautiful truths that are found in this psalm. And as we discover them, as we read and think about them here on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you open our eyes and open our heart to what you would have to say to us? Truths you would remind us of here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. That metaphor of God as a shepherd is found all over the Bible. But this is actually the first time that it shows up here in the book of Psalms. Up until this point, the psalmist has spoken of the Lord in in more impersonal ways. He's spoken of the Lord as a rock and and as a a shield. But now he gets more personal. He speaks of the Lord as, as a shepherd. And as one person put it, a shepherd lives with the sheep. A shepherd is, is always with the sheep, and he is everything to them. And of course, King David, who wrote this psalm, should know. He had been a shepherd himself when he was a boy. Maybe remember that David was out in the fields tending the sheep when God sent the prophet Samuel to his father's house to anoint him as the next king of Israel. And we don't know how old David was when he wrote this particular psalm. I like to think that he might have been a little later in life. And perhaps one day he was thinking back to the time when he was a boy and thinking back to those days tending his father's sheep when he had to fight off the bears and fight off the lions. Uh, The times that he had spent chasing after the stray sheep and bringing them back again. And then, then it struck him. David had been a shepherd, but David had also had a shepherd. There was someone who had been shepherding him, who had been fighting off his enemies, who had been bringing him back when he strayed. And that someone had been watching over him, watching over his soul his entire lifetime. And that someone was the Lord. And with that inspiration, he sat down and penned these famous words, the Lord is my shepherd. And of course, the Lord isn't just David's shepherd, he's he's my shepherd too. And if you know Christ today, then he's your shepherd also. And of all the things that I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for this truth, that the Lord is my shepherd. And as we walk through these beautiful verses today, I want us just to remember some of the reasons why we can be thankful today that the Lord is our shepherd. First of all, I'm thankful uh, because the Lord is my shepherd. He provides all that I need. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, and because he is, I shall not want. I shall not lack for anything that I need. And again, that's because the Lord is my shepherd. When you see that word Lord in all capital letters, that really is a reference to the name that God gave 
to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, the covenant name of the Lord Yahweh, the great I Am, the one who was and is and is to come, the never-changing one, the one who created all things, the one who is all-powerful and yet all-loving, this Lord, David says, is my shepherd. But I love what Charles Spurgeon said about the first sentence of this psalm. He said, the sweetest word of the whole is that monosyllable, my. He doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large. The Lord is my shepherd. And if he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. And he cares for me. And he watches over me. And he preserves me. And friend, can you say that today? Can you say that the Lord is your shepherd? I hope that that you can. And if you can, you can also say with David the next words, I shall not Want. I shall not lack for anything because the Lord is the one who provides for me. And, and really, uh, in a way, the, the remainder of this psalm is really just a listing of all of the areas that we shall not lack in because we have the Lord as our shepherd. But particularly, that's the case in verse 2. Look at that with me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You know, the image of the Lord as a shepherd is a beautiful one, but the idea that we are like sheep is really not a high compliment. Uh, Sheep are not, uh, shall we say, the sharpest tools in the drawer of the animal kingdom. Uh, They're really not all that bright. Uh, They tend to get lost very easily. They tend to run away. They don't know what's best for them. They're basically defenseless. They're very much dependent, very much in need of a shepherd if they're going to make it. And yet, whether this is a compliment or not that we're being referred to as sheep, we really are very much like sheep. Of course, not all sheep in the flock are the same. Some sheep will stay closer to the shepherd and normally listen to his voice, but other sheep do not. Some will wander away chasing after this worldly pleasure and then that one, and as one person said, they'll only now and then lift up their head to see where their shepherd is. Other sheep get restless. They try to jump into other fields and in the process get their limbs broken. The shepherd has to come and bind them back again. And that's how we are. And even though we are that way, we have a shepherd who loves us anyway. In John chapter 10, Jesus applied this image of the shepherd to himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. Jesus is our good shepherd. He's the one who laid down his life for us so that we could all have life and As Psalm 23 tells us, he also knows how to satisfy all of our deepest spiritual hunger and thirst. The same one who said, I am the bread of life, is the one who makes us lie down in green pastures. The same one who said, whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst again, is the same one who leads me beside the still waters. 
And he doesn't just satisfy our deepest spiritual hunger and thirst at the moment of our salvation. No, if you know Jesus, if you've walked through your life with Jesus, you know that he continues to satisfy you. He continues to lead you to those still waters, to feed you in those green pastures. And Christian, think back to all the times in your spiritual life to this point when you found yourself with a soul that was all dried up. And you found yourself trying to eat, trying to find grass and brown pastures that were all withered away. But the Lord led you from there. And in that moment when you needed to hear a word from the Lord, you picked up a copy of the Word, or you came to worship, or you went to a a meeting of your small group, or you turned on the radio, and you listened to a Christian program, and, and where did you find yourself? You found yourself in green pastures. You found yourself beside the still waters where the Lord had brought you to hear exactly the word that you needed to hear at that very moment because he is a good shepherd. Thankful the Lord is my shepherd because he provides all that I need. I'm also thankful he's my shepherd because of what verse 3 says, because he restores my soul. The Hebrew word for restore there can have a couple of different meanings. On on the one hand, it can refer to to, to something that is retrieved, to to chasing after something and, and to bringing it back. It reminds me of the parable the Lord told in Luke 15, where he talked about a shepherd that's willing to leave the 99 in the wilderness to go after that one sheep that's gone astray. And when he finds it, he puts the sheep on his shoulders and he brings it back again and he rejoices because the sheep that was lost has now been found. And of course, David could relate to that. After his sin with Bathsheba, he found himself in a place that was far from the Lord, but the Lord came and retrieved him and brought him back to himself. And that's not just what he's done in David's life, it's what he's done in my life time and time again. And if you know Christ, it's what he's done in your life too. He's restored your soul by bringing you back. But the other idea that's embedded in this word restore is the idea of of refreshing something, of of renewing something to life again. And that's what the Lord does when he brings us back, isn't it? He revives us. He brings new life to us. And maybe your soul could use some restoring this Thanksgiving. Maybe you feel stretched thin inside. You feel that your soul is, is parched, like you have nothing left to give, and we've all been there. Sometimes, of course, it's our own doing. Because of our spiritual laziness, spiritual negligence, we've failed to spend time with the Lord. Sometimes it's due to our sin because we've strayed from the shepherd. We've gone to barren, dry places that harm our soul and harm the lives of those around us and sap the strength and the energy right out from us. But sometimes it's also because of the trials of life and, and they get very hard and they beat us down. And, and there are times even when we feel that we are reaching out for the shepherd, we still feel weary inside and out and we need some refreshing. And again, we've all been there, but the Lord has many different means that he uses to refresh us and to revive us. Sometimes he uses worship. Sometimes 
He uses Christian friends who encourage us. Sometimes he uses a, a time of prayer, a time of quietness and solitude, maybe just a time of rest. Sometimes he uses an encouraging word that is given to you that reminds you that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But no matter what means he might use, the outcome is always the same. We find ourselves alive again on the inside, brimming with life and peace and hope that only our shepherd can give us. And again, maybe you find yourself in that place where you need some restoring right now. Well, reach out for your shepherd and do it this week. This Thanksgiving break, take some extra time to spend with the Savior, to let Him refresh you. He can refresh you in ways that turkey can't. He can certainly refresh you in ways that Black Friday shopping can. He can even refresh you in ways that family can't. And you know that to be true. And so plan even now. What time this next week are you going to take to get alone with the Lord to make sure that you have time to let Him restore your soul? You know, another reason I'm thankful that the Lord is my shepherd is because of what the end of verse 3 says. He leads me down the right paths. David writes, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, when it comes to, uh, to driving, I have driven with some people who have a, shall we say, a tough time with directions. Now, to protect the guilty, I won't even say the name of one of our pastors who may or may not fall in this category. <clears throat> he may or may not have the same first name that, that I do, but, <laughs> um, but I can't confirm that. But, you know, some of us are are directionally challenged. Although the truth is, I think today we are also dependent on Google Maps, right? And, and whatever navigation system that we use, and without it, we might all be directionally challenged today. But wh whether you consider yourself directionally challenged when it comes to driving or not, the truth is we're all directionally challenged when it comes to life. We all tend to leave the right paths and and go to the wrong ones. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have turned aside to our own way. And even after we come to Christ, we're not done turning aside to the wrong ways. We're all prone to wander from the Lord. But I'm thankful today that when it comes to navigating life, we have someone that's better than Google Maps. We have someone that's better than Garmin. We have someone that's better than any app on our phone. We have the sovereign king of the world who guides us and who leads us. And even though none of us have gone the way that we're about to go before, the Lord has already been there. He knows where we're going. And he knows how to lead us there step by step in paths of righteousness. He knows how to knock down every obstacle in our way. He knows how to bring us from the wrong paths and bring us back to the right ones. He knows how to pick us up and dust us off and send us down the road where he wants us to go. And the scripture says he does it all for his name's sake, for the glory of his great name. And Christian, can you not look back on your life and see how the Lord has already done this? How he has already led you step by step. Can you not see all the times that he has brought you back from the wrong path and brought you to his right path again? Can you not see all the times that he's already done that? And do you not know that he'll be faithful to continue to do that every day of your life? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's 
sake. And then look with me at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's another reason I'm thankful for the shepherd today, because he's with me everywhere I go, and I have nothing to fear. You know, so far this psalm has talked about quiet, peaceful places, green pastures, still waters, right pathways. But we all know that life isn't always a peaceful pasture, is it? No, sometimes it's more like the words of verse 4. Sometimes the terrain of our life changes and it becomes rugged and wild. Sometimes it's filled with horrors that we could have never expected. Sometimes the valleys are deeper than we could have ever thought that they would be. But that's where we need to remember what we just read. He leads us down right paths for his name's sake. As one person put it, even this, even this road through the valley of the shadow of death is one of those right pathways. And the Lord has something that he wants to show us, even as we walk through it. And we all know that unless the Lord returns first, there will come a day when all of us will quite literally walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when death will close in all around us, and we will know that it is soon. I've had the privilege of being with several people now, days before their death, or even hours or even moments before their death. The privilege of being able to pray with them, being able to sing with them, and with their families in those moments. And I can tell you what a difference it makes when that person knows the Lord. What a difference it makes when you walk through that final valley and you know that you are not alone. And you know that no evil is coming upon you when you close your eyes for the final time because you have a shepherd who has overcome the evil one and has crushed his head on the cross. And you know that when you open your eyes on the other side of death, that death will be swallowed up by life. Again, as Spurgeon put it, for the Christian, death is not a valley that we walk in, but it's a valley we walk through. Death for us is not the house, but it's merely the front porch. It's not a goal, but it's just the passageway. And while every other guide has to stop at the door of death, Jesus walks right through the door with us and meets us there on the other side. Maybe you're not yet in a literal valley of the shadow of death, but again, maybe you find yourself in a deep, dark valley in life. Maybe the hardest that you've had to go through yet. And you may not be able to see him, but he is there. Your shepherd is always by your side. And he's never unprepared. He's always there with his rod and with his staff, with his rod to defend you from your enemies and with his staff to comfort you and to gently lead you through the valley. You may feel too weak for the valley that you're walking through, but the Lord is strong enough for the both of you. And friend, because the Lord is your shepherd, you are never alone, and you have nothing to fear. And if you would, to take again your copy of God's Word, and just before we go to the table of the Lord, I want us to look at the next verse together, verse, verse 5. David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over it. Another reason today, church, I'm thankful the Lord is my shepherd. He invites me and you 
to a table that is overflowing with blessing. In verses 5 and 6, the image of the Lord as a shepherd fades into the background and a new image emerges, that of the Lord as a gracious host who invites us to sit down at a well-stocked table. And David describes this table as being in the presence of his enemies, perhaps a, a victory celebration of some kind. And, and yet the focus in this verse is on the graciousness of the Lord, the bounty of the Lord, the abundance of God and the way that he blesses us. He is the one who has prepared this table and he is the one who has invited us to sit down there. And you know, being invited to a table is a special thing. Later this week, on Thanksgiving Day, most of us, I pray all of us, will have the privilege to sit down at a table and to enjoy a wonderful meal. I already know what's, what's going to be on that table, and it is going to be good. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be turkey there, of course. There's going to be stuffing. There, there's going to be deviled eggs. There's going to be sweet tea and lots of it. There's going to be a pumpkin pie with whipped cream. It's going to be bountiful, church. And the best part, of course, of Thanksgiving is not just the food itself. It's sitting down at a table surrounded with the people you love most in the world if you're privileged to be able to do that this Thanksgiving. To be able to laugh, to be able to cry, to be able to thank God together for His goodness in your life. There's not much better than that, is there? And that's the picture here in verse 5, sitting at the table of the Lord, enjoying not just the abundance that he provides, but enjoying the Lord himself and enjoying the company of the rest of his family. And every word that David uses here is a picture of that blessing of God. He speaks about how he's anointed his head with oil. In the Old Testament, anointing someone's head with oil was a picture of the favor and the blessing of God. And then probably one of my favorite phrases in this psalm comes next, my cup runs over. And imagine for just a moment, if you would, that you're holding a cup in your hand and someone is pouring water into that cup and you see the water level rising up to the top of that cup and they don't stop pouring when it reaches the top, but it just starts overflowing the cup. It laps down on your hands and your fingers and it runs down on the floor. And David said, God, that is how bountiful you've been in my life. You've blessed me so much, Lord, that, that it is overflowing the cup and running down onto the floor. That is the picture. And he hasn't just done that for us in this life. Of course, when we read the rest of the Word of God, he's promised to invite us one day to sit down with him at another table at the marriage supper in the Lamb that we read about in Revelation where we'll celebrate together the victory that Jesus has won for us on the cross. But here is the question. How is it, how is it that we as sinful people have an RSVP to sit down at that table one day at the marriage supper of the Lamb? It's, it's because of what is pictured at this table. And the reason why any of us will get to sit at that table one day is because what's pictured at this table. Because we don't get to sit there because we deserve to sit there. We only get invited to sit there because our Savior, our Shepherd, has picked us up and has carried us to the table. 
We only get to sit there because of what he did for us at the cross through his poured out blood and through his broken body where we are forgiven and redeemed and invited to the table. And so I can think of no better way on this Sunday before Thanksgiving to remember that and to celebrate that than by coming to the table together. Uh, But uh, there is uh, one more verse that we have not looked at uh, just yet. And so if you take your Bible once more, and let's read the final verse of this great psalm, verse 6. We read, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the last reason I'm thankful today. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Because if I know him as my shepherd, if you know him as your shepherd, he promises us that we will live with him forever. David writes, surely this is the case. He, He knows this to be the case, that the goodness of God, the mercy of God, his faithful, loving kindness will follow him all the days of his life. And I love that word follow. It, it doesn't just mean that his goodness and mercy goes with us. It means that literally it pursues us, that he relentlessly pursues us with his mercy and with his goodness through all the days of our lives. And of course, none of us know how many days that's going to be except for the Lord. But we can know this, we won't live one single day without the goodness and the mercy of God. And again, friend, as you think back over your life, has not God's goodness and mercy gone with you all the days of your life up until this day? And and so don't doubt that His goodness and His mercy will go with you every day of your life after this. No matter what happens around you, no matter what happens to you, your shepherd is always there with you, wrapping you up in, in His love. And the beautiful truth of this final verse is that the goodness and mercy of God won't end when we have lived our last days here on earth. But no, the one who walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death will be with me on the other side of that great valley. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life is not an aimless wandering to who knows where. As a believer, we know that life is a journey with a clear destination. And the destination is not so much a place as it is a person. The key word is not house, as if any house would do. The key word is the Lord. The house of the Lord is our home. Church, we're not going to some strange place when this life is over. We're going home. We're going home to the house of the one who made us, to the one who laid down his life for us, the one who has walked with us every day since the day that he became our shepherd. We're going home to a place where we will always be family, to a place where we will always be loved, and we will be there with the Lord forever. What a promise. Friend, here is the truth. You cannot say those words, the Lord is my shepherd, until you can say the Lord is my Savior. And friend, can you say that today? Have you ever come to Jesus with your heart wide open and asked Him to forgive you? And asked Him to come and dwell within you? And asked Him to be your Lord? And if you haven't, today can be the day. And right after this service, the pastors who are in this service will just make themselves available here at the front. And if you need to come and to talk, And to know more about what it means to invite Christ into your life, we'd love to speak with you when this service is over.